everybody. I am live. Um, hold on. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're here. We're back. Uh, Jeff is on his way. I just want to appreciate everybody that's here taking your time to hang out with us tonight. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be really interesting. Lots of cool stuff to find out, to learn, to hear about. Um, I'm personally stoked. This is something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while. And while I'm waiting him to, for him to jump back in, I'm just going to say shout out to everybody in the chat. I see Casey, Aaron, Willie, Vertigo Beats was up, Michael Brooks. I think Jared, I don't know if I said you already. <laughs> Jess is here. Appreciate you, sis. Hey, Champagne Rain, how you doing? Straight White Male Wallflower. Annette, what's up, sis? I appreciate you guys. Um, if I missed your name in the chat, I'm, I apologize. I'm just kind of... There we go. I think we're back. Are we back? Jeff, are you there? Not quite. We're getting there. So, okay. Let's see. I just wanted to say this is really kind of an honor to have Jeff coming in with us. He actually runs the hdacoustics.net. If you guys haven't checked it out, there's links in the description. Um, and you can see it over here. Over, well, you know, over there on the screen. Um, just pop into there. Take a look-see. Let's see. He was... Oh, there he is. Okay. Okay, and you're live too. Are you there? <laughs> I am. Yay, finally, we made it. <laughs> awesome. Now, everybody, this is Jeff Headback. He is the owner founder of hdacoustics.net. Like I said, check it out. I'm going to actually, throughout this stream, I'm going to show you some pictures of some of the stuff. He is a professional acoustic studio designer. Did I get that right? That's very good. Let's go. <laughs> no, um... He's got a huge background in music. He plays the bass. He's been in bands. He designs studios. It's like the list goes on and on when it comes to expertise. This is the person you want to talk to. So if you know, know, need to know something about design, sound, all of that, we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff tonight as well as some of the things that he's done. And just chat, let me know if you can hear me, if you can hear him, and we're going to take off. We good? Hmm. Hold on. Technical difficulties again. <laughs> All right, let's see. I am. Oh, I hear you again. There we go. Okay. There you are. <laughs> can you hear me fine? I can't. Okay, good. Yeah, so hopefully it stays there. It seems like it dropped for some reason, so uh, hopefully it's smooth now. If it wasn't a little bit ratchet, it probably wouldn't be me. <laughs> Definitely, I turned him up a little bit. That should be a little bit better. Thank you, Wallflower. I appreciate you for letting me know. Um, I was just telling everybody that you know you have an extensive background when it comes to music, when it comes to, well, basically everything that has to do with music. And my lights just flashed. That would be, that would be my luck because my power goes out right now. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> What's up, Dino? I see you. Um, 
But no, just to start off with, you you obviously you play the bass. You started when you were really young. Well, you know, really young, honestly. I think I tried to play piano when I was about nine, and I gave it up in like three months. she cut out. Hey, Kat, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Okay. You cut out for a second, but you're back. Okay. Does it help if I talk closer to the mic a little bit? Maybe? No, I I think it was just a a short drop. So I think we're good. Okay. Now I was just saying, you've been playing music for a very, very long time. You've been in with something to do with music at all times for a long time. So you started off playing bass like when you were a kid? I did. Um, nine years old, um, heard a piece of bass in a song at my friend's basement with his brother's record collections. Like, hey, that's what I do. I can play bass. And played bass ever since. And you played with it, bands. Like, you've not just played, like, on your own in, in your room. You actually have gone out and on stage. Yeah, um... Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, putting in my 10,000 hours um, in garages and basements practicing and stuff and went to music college and um, ended up getting a job out of college um, as an assistant audio engineer, which led me to playing bass in a band on Arista Records. Oh, wow. How long did you do that for? Like Yeah, so um, that was about a four-year run. Um, it went through the whole um, thing of the system of the record, big record label courting the artist and the artist courting there and um, me and my buddies trying to remain the band and not get uh, studio musicians taking over the record. And... Um, we did some demos up in Toronto, ended up cutting the record on Hollywood, came out Midwestern rock just in time for a grunge to hit. <laughs> um, so then we got dropped. Oh, damn grunge. But it, it was a great experience. And it's actually all these things are part of what's led to HD acoustics. Well, yeah, of grunge. course. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, with Mad Prestonio, appreciate you being here. No, that's the thing, is it's like everything, that was a discussion I got into a couple days ago, a week or so ago, where it's like, basically, are you the sum of your experiences, or were you always meant to be where you are now, and your experiences are just up on the path that got you there? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. You could dive into it, whether you felt like you always meant to do this and be where you are right now, or if you feel like because of what happened and what you experienced that you chose to do this now. I mean, you could look at, it's kind of like both sides of the same coin, right? It is. It is. Yep. Yeah. No, but um, after that, I mean, grunge, don't get me wrong. I mean, I grew up in the 90s. That was my, like, middle school years. So 90s are actually my jam. So, of course, grunge is part of that, you know, punk rock, grunge, all that fun stuff. But yeah, but from the records, record labels perspective, and then I think maybe that can come in. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Kat, you were saying? No, I think there's a delay is the problem. That's what That's it is. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. OK, cool. So from the record labels perspective, you know, they're pigeonholing you into a commodity 
that they can promote and sell. And, you know, they'll take a few chances and that, but really what they want is something that's like something else that's popular. Um, And that's always shifting. And a lot of times at the record label level, the people that are your connections are the A&R people. And those guys, they know their job is on the line all times. So they have to produce they have their weekly meeting and each each one will get a chance to put a band in front of the big label heads and maybe one or two of those projects sneak through. And the other ones, you know, are on a short, short hit list. And that was back when there were actually budgets. Like now the record labels don't really do budgets. You know, they're more focused on trying to do the 360 deals and create branding and products because music the revenues from music are so diluted now. It used to be that rate between radio and products, that was the revenue. And now it's all different with streaming. Right. Because in, in general, it's going to be from multiple avenues of income. It's going to be from merchandise. It's going to be from streaming. It's going to be from, I mean, clicks. It's going to be from all those different things as well, instead of just, and the tours, of course, um, especially selling merch on tours from what I've heard. I don't know. I've never sold merch on tours, so I don't know. (laughs) But no, I mean, it sounds like it's coming from multiple avenues and it seems to be a little bit more unlimited than it was before, before they would just focus on the artist, the band, whatever, and they would promote them as who they were. And now it's all about who can be clickbaity and who can get the most clicks and who can get, sell the most junk yeah, I think so. Um, and if possible, the you know the record labels want to just get you so that you're attached to products and all of that, and they they get a piece of all of that um, by promoting you. But but now music is is different. I mean, and um, you know I, we'll get back to studios here in a second, but um, it's really you know. Obviously, you are endeared towards independent artists. I love independent artists also. But there really is no barrier. There's no barrier to jump in. Um, and there's no automatic like way to reach tons of fans. But it's almost back to, like, there was a great saying I loved about, uh, it was from an early Motown engineer. And he's he's been asked, hey, how do you have a successful music career? Well, you know, you get your shit together. And you create a show where you can kick ass for 50 people. Then you get good enough to kick ass for 500 people. And then you get good enough to kick ass for 5,000 people. If you get there, you're going to have a career. Right. And I think that's now, like, live is still always, if you can get that fan base, that's always going to hold. But now maybe, you know, a YouTube community or a social media community can become that. They're probably different numbers than 50 500 and 5,000, but I think that's where the record music business is now. It's about finding that niche. No, I completely agree. And you did nail it. And by the way, for anybody that's new here, there's a couple of new faces that people I know of and people that I see in the chat. Um, this elsewhere is notorious, or at least where we try to be for supporting independent artists, creatives, anything of that sort, if it's somebody who is grinding and hustling and doing their thing, promoting themselves more than other people are promoting them, 
um, we want to help and we want, if they're, well, you know, if they have, if they're, if they're good at what they do, we don't want to promote somebody who needs some work and like push them out there. Like, Oh, this is the best person in the world. Cause we don't lie like that. Um, <laughs> how, you know, and I'm just being sincere. I'll be straightforward about it. Like, you know, you can't just roll out of bed, record a song, slap it on YouTube, hope someone sees it and then expect anybody to really like push you. But the people that come here, they like to support independent artists. They like to see new people. They like to subscribe to them, check out their music, do all of that stuff. So I really, really love independent creatives. And I say creatives because I'm talking YouTubers, reactors, artists, you know, rap or songs or rock or whatever, as well as authors, um, producers, beat makers, all of that. They're all welcome here. So anyway, that's my spiel. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think that the hard part is just kind of getting your, finding yourself, carving your way, especially because you're doing it independently versus, you know, a record label would basically carve your way for you and say, this is where you're going to go. And this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to do it and how we're going to help you when you do it yourself. It's like, well, is this the lane I really want to be in? Is this the lane I'm meant to be in? And it might, yeah, and, and, it might change. You never know. You know, honestly, though, um, I don't think that's correct that the record label is going to carve the lane you want to be in. They're going to carve a lane that they want you to be in. Oh. You know, and and I've seen that um, another artist I was with um, had a deal on uh, Sony Epic and by his fourth record. They were shipping him around to write songs with Michael Bolton because Michael Bolton was really big right there. Well, his music had nothing to do with Michael Bolton. But if he was going to put out his fourth record, they were going to have him do all those things and try and force him to be something else. Right. Well, I mean, shout out Michael Bolton and the, um, was it Jack's <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow song? That was epic. But um, my mom listened to Michael Bolton and Kenny G. So oh. <laughs> I was like, no, I want grunge music. Oops. <laughs> right. right. That was a battle. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I, I would tell my mom all the time, by the way, she's not in the chat yet, but if she does happy birthday, mom, love you. Um, but yeah, I, I would always tell her, I'd be like, um, they're a Christian singer, mom, they're a Christian band. She's like, no, they're not. And I'm like, yeah, they are. They really, really are. No, they're not. Yeah. Can't hear the lyrics much anyway, so. <laughs> I'm like, see, DMX is talking about the cross. Right. Hand to God, I would do that to her. And she'd be like, I think she like gave in a couple, a couple of things, but most of them she's like, mm-hmm. She knew better. But no, I mean, so we were talking about you being in a band and you moved on from there. What did you do after that you left the band? I mean, I know at some point you went to college. That was probably after you were in college, right? Yeah, college first and then... Um, Go to college, uh, y'all. Full-time. Um, well, it was Berkeley College of Music. You know, it's a topic to talk about. A lot of people, you know, hey, what do you get from, you know, a music college like that? You know, and the information now is kind of out everywhere. You kind of get more than the information which back then it was kind of not as available but it's more the environment and being around 
all those creative people was really one of the bigger things and you know having to fight and scrap um you know to to stay in certain situations that were challenging you know what your weaknesses um well now i mean of course we have youtube university exactly yep yep that's where i get most of my knowledge not most of it some of it I try to actually get factual information versus like, I don't even go on like Wikipedia and stuff cause it's useless. What's up Wolf? By the way, Wolf, shout out to him. He does all of my graphics. Um, Wolf, you rock. And he also, he is a musician, a producer and he is a guitarist. He shreds like nobody's business. So oh, that's great. But yeah, he's a really close friend of mine. So anyway, he's driving. He can't, he's listening, but he can't talk obviously. Um, so after you got out of the bands, did you go, like, what got you to go on the side of engineer, like not engineering, but like studio design? And I have a question yeah. that my mom asked me, and I'm going to ask you that in a minute. About Okay. <laughs> so I went through, my degree is in music production and in engineering from Berkeley. So that was always my drive and passion as, as much as playing bass and being a musician. Right. And, um, there was just a phase where the full-time musician thing was in like a little bit of a valley and there was an acoustics company and um, the uh, CEO offered me a deal where hey, if I gave him X amount of hours per week, I could still play any gig, you know, just give him notice. And, and it was kind of a, a transition. And then within a couple of years, I was like a regional sales manager and artist relations manager and, um, Um, I had a background in playing in thousands of rooms, hundreds of studios. Right. And then it was more just putting the pieces together of certain things of acoustical physics that honestly, you know, like the music schools don't teach. That's a, that's a, um, write that down y'all acoustical physics. Yeah. It's a thing. We're going to talk about it too. That's, I mean, that's kind of cool, though. I mean, honestly, you would think, see, that's the right way to do it is like, look, if you do this, this and this, you can take the time off to do your thing. But you got to at least like hit these milestones, right? You have to like hit these deadlines, hit these milestones, whatever the case may be. But you still got to do what you wanted to do. That's right. I mean, that that's, right. yeah. that's pretty badass. Yeah. Why y'all putting eyeballs in the chat? Y'all freaking me out. I hate when they do that because when they when they put like eyeballs in the chat, I'm thinking, are they saying that about acoustical physics, or are they saying that because <laughs> they can't hear me anymore, or like why? Don't freak me out, y'all. Oh, <laughs> they didn't know they had to take notes. <laughs> oh, there'll be a well, quiz I'll later. Up on that. There'll be yeah, a... there'll be a quiz later. Yeah. <laughs> so you might ask what I do as a studio designer. Well, I was going and to. haven't yet. So. I, I design, meaning I create the form and the shape. I create the wall systems and construction systems. I create all the stuff in the top studios. Most of what you see that the eye sees behind that, like, the, okay, our picture there, behind all those wall surfaces, that's actually fabric in their various depths from 4 inches to 18 inches that you're looking at. Um, and, um, that's actually Christina Aguilera's personal studio. I did that about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. There you go. 
I'm looking and see you guys. It's I know what's in the in the corner over here. By the way, if you go to hdacoustics.net, you can see all of these pictures and all the studios that he's designed. You can see them on his website with multiple views of the rooms. It's really cool. And they're really like high def pictures. So I'm looking at it on a 27 inch screen. So I'm like, ooh. And it's up here. So that's what I'm staring at. So, okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is that the, the beige behind those two red lamps is fabric. And all of the ceiling surfaces that you're seeing, okay. except for the uh, those uh, the articulated, those those are called acoustical diffusers, and we did LED strip lights around those, so they're kind of lit up as a feature. But all that wall surface, that's all fabric, and behind that are all the things that I've designed for the room to respond right. So do you do the design? Okay, let me try to make myself clear, which I, I yep. don't think I can. So for this example, is a great picture, though, to, to poke around and ask any question because there's a great, there's great stuff here. <laughs> look at the parade of Grammys behind the couch. Exactly, the parade of Grammys. Yep. So what I'm looking at, I'm pointing at the camera, y'all, but I'm actually pointing at the picture. Um, on the couch, there's the pillows. Like, did you choose the color scheme? Did you do that, or do you just go do the technical side of what needs to be where it needs to be? Yep. So uh, on this, and each project kind of has its own team, its own dynamic. Okay. She had her own interior designer. I forget the guy's name, but he was he was really good to work with. He was kind of insistent some uh, some sometimes, but he was also very accepting of. So basically, put it this way: I'm designing the form. So almost everything you see in there. I'm designing the form, which has a specific function for the room to work. And then he made it sparkle and shine. I so gotcha. he picked the actual fabric. Um, that door is real gold leaf. And my studio builder had a nightmare. He, he spent literally six weeks trying to get that gold leaf to the interior designer's approval. Stuff like that. Oh, wow. So all of the, um, the area rug, I said there has to be an area rug. And I selected where the couch is going to be. But he selected the type of rug. He selected um, the um, all the you know the pillows and stuff. The lighting design is all mine. Um, and I picked all the features that are recessed. He picked those you know really cool hanging pendant um, uh, lights there. And okay, so that the lights that are around the ceiling, those you yeah, picked so, out. However, the ones the red ones hanging off, those are something the interior designer picked. Now, yeah, he asked if he could put lights there, and I said, what type? And, and he described me. I said, yeah, you can do that. Oh, hey, guys. Thank you, everybody who's coming from uh, Menaces. Appreciate that. Much love, guys. I see you. <laughs> Tell him I said what's up. Um, so here's, okay, so here's, here's another question. After you build this, after you make this and it looks amazing, can she, like, decide that she's going to push pin pictures of her kids or whatever drawings on the walls? Or will that affect? <laughs> well, not at this level. Um, but I'm just But asking. there are sometimes. No, that's a great question. There are times where um, that type of flexibility of, hey, we might want to change something. We want to add something. So in these systems... You know, basically what the eyes seeing and what the ears hearing are two different things. And there's lots of stuff like it's like taking the skin off a body. You know, there's a lot of stuff behind there. 
Um, and if I know that that might happen, then I'll design that flexibility with backing boards or things like that. Um, so that, that could happen. But no, you, this wouldn't be like a, um, you know, a cork board, you know, <laughs> hey, don't forget to pick up. <laughs> I see you guys coming through. Appreciate it again. Tell him I said hi. Mena sent over his people from his stream to come in here and drop a drop a comment and click the like button, which I really appreciate. Um, so this photo is from if you were at the mixed position and you turned around. This okay. is diagonal across. Okay. So um, this room has a main stereo mix position. It has a secondary production suite, which you can just see on the left edge of that. Okay. There's also an entire separate home theater system. And I laid out the type and the location of all the home theater speakers. And those are all concealed behind the fabric. You don't see any of those, but she wanted all that function. She wanted to be able to sit in there and to operate as a home theater, but also to be her home studio. And then behind the gold leaf doors, her vocal booth is over there. Okay. So that's where she would stand and sing and do that recording with the, like, enclosed. That's right. Okay. That's right. So where things are placed, that makes a difference as to what kind of sound it is. Like, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I think this is, so obviously, like, there's grooves in the ceiling. I know that those probably have some function. Is it, like, does, I don't know what the function is. I'm just curious. Does, do the grooves like in the ceiling have function and things like that? Is it just make it sound different? Um, yeah, all those things. Uh, the, okay, so the goal is number one for the eyes and your ears and your whole vibe and everything to feel comfortable. Um, and that's not like a totally dead room. The room should be balanced sonically. Um, and a level that this artist is used to being in the world's top studios and has just an instinct after all that time of what those are kind of like. And so I'm able to do some things that pull off some of those things that an artist of that level will be used to, but also make sure, hey, it's part of her house. Right. You know, and make sure it's not, you know, overboard. It functions at the level of studio that she needs, but it still feels like it's part of her house, which is honestly, that's what the... Um, her interior designer, you know, because he, he had responsibility the whole house. Right. And, um, well, that's perfect. I mean, that's really cool. I keep looking at the ceiling <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a combination of those, um, articulated diffusers are from a company. I didn't design those, but I used their product in my design. Um, those are all like these little wood blocks that are angled. Okay. So what does it do? Obviously a diffuser, we kind of know what a diffuser does, but what is its purpose in layman's terms? Yeah, it's purpose right there is spreading out the sound energy so that as you're further back in the room, it sounds much more like you're really close to the speakers so that the room is spatially consistent is the term meaning that wherever you are in there you're hearing a very similar or exactly the same sound all the way across the audio spectrum you know the bass is tight and clean everywhere not like booming somewhere and all sucked out somewhere else right. that's actually the technical term um <laughs> and that the mids and highs that your ears hear more easily are very articulate but smooth not 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 
dry and damped out. That makes sense. Because then you're not like standing. You can't go like get on your cell phone in a corner because you, <laughs> you know, that's a dead spot right. where you don't have to. You could hear better. But that makes sense that, because generally, you know, people have people over to like a listening session or to do different things. And no matter where you're sitting, if you're a part of the team or if you're part of it, you want to be able to hear. You don't want to have to like crowd up on top of somebody in order to hear what's going on and hear it clearly. I would assume. Right. So the first thing you need the mix position to be accurate. Which is where we're looking from. Where we're looking from, not at. Right. Right. But then beyond that, I want my studios to be consistent and smooth. Or else, so the ears feel at ease very quickly. I think it's gorgeous, to be completely honest. Oh. I mean, that's a pinch me product project and and that's part of like so one thing i thought of earlier is like well how did something like this happen well it, it like we talked about earlier is an accumulation of different experiences and people and then i became this one clicks acoustics guy and then that led to this and led to this and they and they, you know they say oh i got my guy you know and that's really how that builds. It's community. Right. Well, because someone says, oh, my God, I just absolutely love it. I really want something done. Oh, really? Well, here's who I used. Check them out. I and, mean, and um, like this project and some of the other big quote, you know, Uber stars I've done, I'm like really behind the scenes, even though I'm I'm working with the builder and the, and the studio designer. I didn't ever talk to Christina. I was never on site. You know, I do all this remote, my part of it. Right. Um, but also, you know, it depends on the project, but I can have a ton of responsibility and almost be like the project manager at sometimes. I'm going to go to the next picture because that one's, that's absolutely gorgeous. And I, I didn't like line them up in any sort in order. So I'm just going to be, you're, you're going to be as surprised as I am at which, which, which one, ugh, I can't even talk. Which one's next? <laughs> okay. Okay, so from what I see in here is obviously you can see that there's a vocal booth uh, at the very far back of the picture. And then to the right a little bit, is that where like a live band would perform? That's the live room. That's exactly correct. Okay. Yep. And then, of course, there's obviously there's the people who are doing all the bells and whistles. We'll just call them bells and whistles and knobs and turny things. That's right. (laughs) And then there's that second level of so obviously they're intending to have people that are going to be there to listen while this is all going on that's the producer's uh, credenza oh i'm gonna write some of this down yeah yeah i'm gonna yeah, make channels in words. my in my yeah. discord and i'm gonna start like this is the producer's credenza yeah that's what i'm gonna call it <laughs> yeah, so the- this studio is in indianapolis which is where i'm located and it was a big deal for me to get this project of this level in my, I mean, I care about the legacy and stuff and it was really cool uh, to get this project. This was actually featured on the cover of mix magazine um, in the studio design edition of 2021. Oh, wow. And uh, it's called round table recording company. They're, they're doing great. It's actually three full studios in there. And then they have a, a couple, they have like a, teaching center also in there and a podcast center and um 
but good eyes. So between the speakers is a vocal booth, and I actually call that the vocal nest. Um, and then this client wanted a lot of glass to the right, um, so that whole glass wall was really complex. Um, well, I mean, it, so, you'd have to make it of a specific type of glass, I would assume, because that would affect the sound. Yeah, that's part of getting the, the sound transmission control so that the speakers don't bleed into the mics and the instruments don't bleed into the control room so you can hear things. Yep. Well, that's, and plus, you know, you want it to be pretty and see-through. But, you know, to get to check all those boxes, you'd obviously have to be very careful about what type of product that you used. And I see yeah. on to the right of that big pan, that big window panel, I see that there's panels on the wall. Now they're not, they look, and you're going to think, you're probably going to think this is dumb, but you know, like in college when you walk by and you have like pinned up stuff where you like rip the number off, like they post it up, you know, like you know, room for rent, stuff like that. And it's like, it's framed in a box. That's what that looked like at first, <laughs> which yep. I know that's not what it is. And the other thing I see is on the left-hand side. Oh, whatever. It's my left, whatever. Um, that green wall is like that. It's yeah. So good eyes. So that left the green wall, you see the angle there. Yeah. The glass which is symmetrically opposite is at the same angle. And that's how I dealt with the glass being to the right of the speaker. The green wall is to keep the sound from the left speaker and the right speaker acoustically symmetrical, which is super important. You can't have one thing going on in one half of the room, something different acoustically on the other, and the sound imaging stay locked in. Um, so those angles are so that the sound waves that hit that um, don't return back to the critical listening areas in a bad way. They kind of just go, they're neutralized by the angles. Okay. So this is going to be another silly question. So because the angle is like, I can't do my hands right. Like what is happening here? It's like that. Does that mean it's going to bounce off this way? And then that down that way, it's going to break it towards the ceiling and floor. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. Do you want another quiz word? Sure. I'm here for it's it. It's called specular reflection. The angle of reflection is equal to the angle of incidence. I get that. I get what you're saying. I don't know exactly what the incidence is exactly. I would assume that that's the <laughs> sound that's hitting it. And this is another one where my design, like if my 3D wireframe has... 100% of the form there, 100%, down to the grooves and everything. Every angle, every piece there. And then my client picked all the finishes. He did an amazing job. It kind of looks super, like, 50s, 60s retro. Yeah, which <laughs> they, their business name and their, when the, you know, it's doing discovery and asking them, hey, well, what's your vibe? What are you into? And they're like, well, our... our business is round table recording company and we like like knights of the round table stuff and so those elongated triangles in the live room that you can see through the window that's kind of pulled from you know these mid medieval themes right and then by the time they finished it they're like they realized that their building was like mid-century modern um and they turned it into exactly what you're saying so it, it's it's kind of a mix of those styles and themes now up in the ceiling those cardboard 
okay, it's not cardboard. I know it's not cardboard, but it yeah, looks they're actually wood. Yeah. Well, it looks like cardboard. It looks like that thing that goes in the thing out of the box and that thing. But anyway, can't like a huge egg carton, you know, where it has like the little sections. But that, okay, is are they are they? If you looked up, if you were underneath it, looked up, would there be completely? You could see straight to the ceiling from that. Yeah, those are op open cells. Yeah, and the quick way to describe those: those are like food processors for sound energy. So, just really smooths things out, um, and it sends really consistent energy back to the mixed position. So that's another way of having the room sound open, clean, and tight without being too dry. Okay. That's super cool. I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm looking at this on a 27 inch screen. So I'm just like, Ooh, I'm looking at all little stuff on here and I'm just all excited. Okay. I'm gonna go to the next one. You ready? It's a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. That's round table as well. Correct. It hasn't switched yet. Yeah. So that's studio B. Yeah. Oh, so okay. each studio has a different aesthetic theme. And again, if you look at my wireframe, the exact form, every piece is in my design and, you know, how thick it is, what the systems are in there. And then my client, he's like, okay, um, that's a hard surface. You know, what can that be? I can go, well, it can be paint, it can be stain. It was going to be wallpaper. Yeah. So that, uh, like, blue and black kind of cool mid-century, um, that's wallpaper. And I was like, yeah, that's great. By the way, all, like I said, if you go to his website, if you're looking, like if you're squinting at the details, all of these pictures are on his website, and you can check them out there. You can blow them up to. I will also, if it's cool with you, Jeff, I'll also post them in the Discord after this, and y'all can take sure. a look there as well. Um, so then you can like literally like zoom in and do all that fun stuff. Because honestly, this is cool as hell. And if you can't see, and I know it's small on the YouTube, um, on the YouTube channel. I could try to make it a little bit bigger. It would just mess with all the settings. But honestly, check out the website. Everything's there and many more, okay? It, this one's a weird shape, though. Is this like an octagon? No. Okay, one, two, three, four. It's not an octagon. Like, it's like a, it's a different shape. Does that, obviously, the shape of the room is going to change completely how you're going to set it up, right? Because what you put on the walls and on the ceiling, everything changes the sound and where it's placed at. Even though you can make it look cool, which is badass, but... The, the dimensions, the shape, all of that are all part of the result. And a, a big part of what I do before a client even sees a design or really detailed acoustical um, sound pressure mapping, shape models and stuff, it's kind of like you're watching the weather guy and he's showing, you know, the different weather patterns. I do sound pressure maps that show you know, higher and lower um, sound pressure places. And then I'll shape the room to minimize those. And then I know what room treatments will do to make it, you know, at the level that the client's going for. Okay. No, that completely makes sense. I can see what you're saying because, I mean, if you literally are picturing sound as waves, as a physical thing that you can see, like even like a Aurora Borealis, like light waves and stuff, it's the same as if you ever seen a video of something on slow-mo where somebody sneezes. You never see it in real life, but, well, you if you do that, you should run. Um, but you see, like, it in slow-mo, and you see where it goes, and you'd be surprised. Like, that's what I think. Because, like, sound, we don't 
I don't think of it that way. I'm like, yay, it's in my ears. Um, and I can tell I've started to learn doing this and listening to music and being around a bunch of artists and things has ex my, expanded my experience to the point where I can say, I say stupid, sh I can say stuff to my family and they're like, huh? I'm like, that's, there's, wait, wait, with back in that song, there's like a, what is that? Is that a, like a demon type, like really low, like level, like a, um, you know, like when they're stacking it and I'm like, it's way yep. back here. Or I'm like, why yep. did they the lean mix, towards yeah. this side or that side? I start to hear that now. I start to understand it. So now I'm starting to understand if you have a studio that's not cohesive, right. With being able to really hear some of that stuff, then when someone like me puts on their headphones, I'm not going to hear that because it's not going to be done correctly. I, I, that's, that's how I feel about it. Like if it's, if it's not recorded, right it's not mixed right you're not going to hear it right at the end that's exactly right and so i mean the goal of like i was um thinking about you know what's the difference today between a pro studio a project studio and even like a production you know room and ultimately like you know in one way there's not a you know, a difference where like Billie Eilish and, and her brother work out of the house, you know, the rooms in their house and he records everything in, in his laptop. And that's some of the top stuff in the world. But he also has the experience to pull all those pieces together. So the goal at one level, a professional studio used to be a commercial business that clients that a lot of times were orchestras or larger groups of musicians, you had lots of expenses, you know, there were usually arrangements, you know, everything was really planned out. And the professional studio had to make sure that everybody's time and everything was successful. So it had to have total sound transmission control so that if the car is, you know, beeping their horn outside or there's a train or whatever it might be, that it can run that between rooms and all those things. Um, now more studios are run by the person who's kind of the engineer and it can be, there's kind of a, you can't trick physics, but there's a different scale. Like if you're the only person in that room, you need it catered to you. It's kind of like if you're a race car driver, you know, ultimately you get the car tuned and fitted to you. Um, and this was uh, going to be one of the partner's main room. And so I had a first design. He came back and he's like, man, this is going to be my room. I just don't think it's going to be this, this. I go, okay, I hear you. And I came up with a whole new design in about three days. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so that's the way that can kind of work. Well, I noticed I just, I don't know. I'm staring, like I said, I keep staring at the pictures because they're pretty. And I'm just trying to see what I can see, you know. I've noticed yeah. that on the walls above the white where it's dark, there's slats. Yeah. So, um, and if I showed a bunch more pictures to save the client money, I designed a, a custom slat pattern for that studio that I used in like six different ways throughout the different rooms for different functions. But for them, it was them making it once. So it's, these are custom milled pieces, but they were all made from, like two by fours, they're all off the shelf pieces to start with. 
and uh, so I tried to design efficiencies into you know when you're doing um, you know 12,000 square foot space um, that was a choice that I made to try to help them keep the budget in play and you know here they're painted black and in the the next room beyond they're red they're stained in another room and they're kind of doing different purposes and different in different spaces ben he does he um ben t's in the chat he actually works with beatboxers and they do like obviously shows you know where they do battles and stuff he says that's why shows are so hard we have multiple folks on the mic but we can only set the audio on a baseline so that's the problem that they're having i'm actually going to that show in december you know everything's looking like i am so yeah but actually i think there's a picture in here ben that you it's just kind of cool to see because he designs like open spaces too if i'm not mistaken i'm gonna go to the next picture sure oh nice this one which you'll see pop up in a second is a magazine cover i don't know why it's looking so small on the screen i'm sorry i think it's just it is what it yeah, is y'all so that's uh that's the round table again so we don't need to spend but this is that room. oh from inside the live room from in the live room yep yep looking towards the room that we were looking at a minute ago through that big big glass window so that glass window is like nine feet tall it's you know two sections of one inch laminated glass at the angles and it's like i think that's around 10 feet wide wow but nobody throws stones in that studio <laughs> well, it's nothing's gonna happen. That laminated glass is like windshield glass, mm. but this is super thicker. Well, that's really cool. Like the live room. I mean, you literally could get, you could get a lot of people up in there. Yeah, they've done. Um, you know, I think they've done a twenty-piece um, type string horn section in there. Twenty-one stellar spaces from the world's top studio designers. There you go. And that's the cover, too. <laughs> yeah, it was 2021. That was like, um, I was I was shocked. I'd been in the Studio Design Edition many times since, like, about 10 years ago. But all of a sudden, this year, I got the cover. That's awesome. And you deserve it. I mean, this is pretty, it's pretty awesome, I think. Thank you. I think these pictures are getting smaller, but I don't think it's, it's not your fault. It's mine. I could try to zoom in a little bit. Hold on. I'll, if the, the stream goes ghetto, get over it. I'm just trying to make it bigger. There. <laughs> sort of. See? Now there's your, there's your uh, zoomed in version. I'm going to put it back in a second. <laughs> that works. Yeah. So this yeah, is... so this is another one in Indianapolis. So this is, uh, you know, sometimes my clients, they become really good friends over time. So this was one of my earlier projects, maybe 2008. Um, and John came to me and said, hey, I just got a $3,000 gift certificate to Lowe's. You know, I want to do this, this, this. Can you design stuff that I can buy from Lowe's? And that, you know, and my design fee was separate than that. But um, so... That's the control room. There's a vocal booth that I designed next to it. And then that was his house. He now has moved out of there, but he's got a separate production suite. He's got a lounge. And now we're building a real Studio A right now. So the thing about that is there's the stuff that makes it function sonically, but then he had his artist tag everything. 
and it's just you know it's just a really the creativity and the vibe is what i dig about what john's done well and what's really cool about this one is like i like i said you guys you can go on the website and see the full pictures and you can see it you really want to look at this one for sure it's really neat because i'm seeing where it says city dump records off of the ceiling they're hanging and those yeah. panels are at an angle even though the whole picture is at an angle you can still see that it's they're at an angle like yeah. this and again that's exactly to the design he goes hey can i tag those i go yeah Right, because as long as they stay in the spot that they are, I mean, okay. So, out of curiosity, what if they tagged them completely, the whole thing with, for example, paint? Would that change the acoustics because it's now a different? Yeah, it could. You can't plug the holes. That's actually using just common pegboard, and then there's acoustical insulation above the pegboard, and the angles are specific. But if you plug the holes with thick paint, it's not going to work right. Okay. So like what he did, you can obviously see on the one where it says dump, you can actually see that the holes are still open. So as long right. as they keep it, like they can't just like cover that with like a poster because that would change everything. That's right. Okay. That one's really cool. I like this one. It feels like you're, yeah, uh, you're in then, somebody's uh, like studio in their house. Well, that is his house. And I was thinking maybe uh, if we ever do another one, we'll bring John on and talk about the difference between having studio equipment and being a studio owner because that's a whole different it's a whole different job a lot of people think they want a studio they want a studio they want a studio well it's great to make your own music and the technology and everything is is so available now and i love that but being a studio owner is a whole different job right and uh and he's really done a great job you know to run a successful two room it'll soon be three room hip-hop studio in a mid market for close to 15 years, you know, that's, that's good stuff. Oh, that's totally cool. And it's like kind of grungy. I'm not saying that in a negative exactly. way. I'm saying no, that it, in okay. a good way. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to go to the next one. Let's see where we're at. There was a next one. I think they okay. might've been before the other one. Hold on. I'm going to go back. Let me go backwards. Okay. Ah, yeah. I've got to go backwards now. Ooh, okay. So y'all can see this in the chat. Y'all can see this a little bit better. Because this one's... Yes. Like... So that's one that was completed this year. That's outside of Minneapolis. It's called Reverb and Echo. And um, this to me, and I use these words, this was featured in Mix Magazine, not on the cover, but it was featured in Mix. And it's, it's a mashup of, like warm wood tones and mid-century modern forms and 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 textures i like that back wall is wavy yeah that's a custom piece that i designed um and i've used that in a few rooms yep so all those angles are and the route throughs are all specific to the room functioning and again that's the thing you know you're looking at almost all fabrics surfaces right in in you know in different things of different depths and i can see the pegboards on the bottom around the base like the baseboards well you know they come right it's 15 those are 15 inches deep those are part of the the base trapping in the room you know so the so the the low frequency is tight everywhere um and this client had that uh pegboard custom milled so it's had a wood veneer on that went the extra mile 
And I can see the rugs, obviously. Because if you take the rugs out, you're going to get an echo, I would assume, from those floors. Yeah, not really, uh, because the ceiling's all treated. Mm. So the, the rugs are just more for human comfort. We like that. I just, okay, I'm going to say t this is what's daunting to me, is I'm looking in the bottom right-hand corner, the back of that, and there's like a million quartz. Oh, yeah. I fight, I have my two, my work computer and my street, like the stuff that I do, regular computer streaming and things like that. And my cords are like this. Yeah, my top studio is to have an idea on that, on the audio wiring. My computer we'll does have... one out. Hold on. Okay. I'm fixing it. Cool. Just Root to give you a context camera. of like like what's involved in wiring, like the very, very top studios, there'll be generally about a six-man crew for two, sometimes three months doing nothing but pulling and terminating the audio cables. Yeah. I am listening. I'm just at the point now where apparently I am disappeared off the face of the planet. <laughs> See y'all, if it wasn't if it wasn't like this. Well, you know what? I'm just gonna disappear for a minute, y'all. My camera's not responding. It's okay. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last thing you said about the cables. Cause that's... Yeah, just context of like at the biggest levels, what it takes to do the audio integration in these studios with lots of outboard gear, large format consoles and that you, you'll have about a six man team working 10 hour days for at least two months, sometimes three months. Right. That's insane. That, I mean, that's really crazy. Cause I mean, I pretty much would get lost, I believe. So one thing that was on my mind is like people, including myself at different times think oh well if if times are just different i wish i was in this era or that era and i've actually been on a mission this year in 2022 to figure out what is a studio in 2022 which is maybe a good thing to think of because i design studios and what are studios moving forward and i realized you can pretty much take any five-year chunk of time since music was made commercial since they started selling records which is really the 50s right there's no, you can take any five-year chunk and then the five years before and after had totally different technology it is always moving there is no golden age the record business is always shifting there's always the money people uh trying to find a way they're always going to make their money if anybody makes money they're making it um and so i think the thing out of that is now's the perfect time you know there's not going to be tomorrow's not going to be better like now's perfect jump in right and like you said earlier, I, I, you know, you said a great thing where it, it's about the artist finding themselves. And, you know, the space is important on that because if you can't hear right, and a lot of people are using headphones, that can work. Uh, but if your speakers are set in the wrong way, there's details on that, and you're not hearing right, um, if you don't have the experience to do certain things. And then sometimes a lot of people today, because the technology allows it, they do everything themselves. And actually 
like collaborations are great and sharing that inviting people into the music and that um is a super important thing you know um somebody that's great at writing a certain part of it isn't necessarily going to be um you know the best person to mix i think the example of tom and evan you know tom giving evan more trust evan taking that seriously upgrading his studio and the level that tom's mixes have happened in this year they're are crazy. outrageous they're crazy outrageous and that's that's the type of thing and that can happen on any different scale but if somebody holds their creativity too tightly and doesn't share it with others you know sometimes you got to really face the pain of like doing something you think is good and, and you work so hard and, and you know these things take tons of hours to put out music and all that but sometimes it just sucks but sometimes you got to put it out and face it and learn from it to get to get better no absolutely absolutely i completely agree with you i just i'm a huge believer by the way if y'all didn't figure it out i had to change my camera i changed it to a different camera so it looks a little bit wonky my lighting's weird but who cares i'm right here anyway um <laughs> one of the things is is i'm really big on I really love when people collab and Timothy Dino, I see you. <laughs> I will ask your question in a second. Um, I'm really big on people collabing and sharing knowledge and sharing what they have or what they can do or lifting each other up or helping each other up. I'm really big on that. Like I think, I mean, and not because I'm still small, like that's not what I'm saying. I just, when you hear two people that would do really well together, I'd like to introduce them and they, they've been dropping songs. Like that's what happens when good people get together and they have no qualms about sharing and collaborating and they make some wonderful things. Cause maybe this person is really good at this type of that. And then this person's really good and they come together, they learn and they grow. You can't, even if it's a bad experience, you can do nothing but grow from it. I mean, you can't be mad about it. So I just, I really, I'm a true believer in that, hands down. Timothy has a question. He says, I got a problem. Low that... ceiling in the studio. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in the studio, if this is where you're cutting your vocals, just for that reason alone, you need to really dry it out. So what does that mean? That means acoustical absorption. And even if your ceiling's like seven foot or something like that, that's more the reason to use some thicker panels. Um, you know, it's probably not the place to talk about what type of panels, but, um, you know, cheaper acoustical foam's probably not going to cut it, but um, maybe something from Home Depot or something of looking at like a, a three to six inch. I know six inch would be, you know, maybe more than you'd think of doing but drying the ceiling out would be the first thing in a small project studio with a low ceiling is really doing that so um, looking at mineral fiber from a Home Depot or Lowe's um, and then getting like a um, uh, a burlap or um, no the fabrics or you know you can go to Joanne Fabric and any fabric that you can feel your breath through, if you blow and puff through it, um, is going to be acoustically transparent enough and do some simple framing and staple the fabric really nice and clean. You know, take your time on it, on the seams, put some trim strip over it. Um, that would be step number one. 
I don't know what rock wool is. Yeah, that's just a type of insulation. So there's like pink fluffy insulation. There's like the brown kind of more, um, it's not quite a, a, a panel, but um, it's just a different type of insulation. And it's, you know, you pretty much go into any of the Lowe's or Home Depot box stores and get a mineral wool or rock wool and, um, and be in the game. Yeah. That'd be a good start. That's a really good question. Super good question. I'll go to the next picture. Let's surprise. Oh, snap. Okay. Good job, Timothy. You use Rockwell. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's Oracle Studio in Houston. And um Houston. This was this was my first large meaning um multiple room facility that I designed that was built finished in 09 um, Scarface did his last record in there or there's uh, at least one I'm not sure if he's done anything since then he probably has but he's done a lot of work out of there um, and um, sadly Jason the owner my client um, just died two weeks ago so um, there was a gang hit you know he was actually outside of his studio there right on the curb and I think he was mistaken for somebody else while the session was going on, um, which is tragic. But um, this is the legacy. I uh, love this studio. So all those walls are a special type of concrete block. They, they have acoustical properties. Um, and the form and all these things we've talked about, everything, you know. So this is a real, you know, juxtaposition of acoustical function that has concrete polished concrete i i designed the the wood paneling on the ceiling there the acoustical clouds all the lighting and he had um just he had great taste great vision he was really into these amazing synthesizers that synthesizer that you hand patch there to the left is like from the 1970s it's called a bukla you know that's like a six-figure vintage top i mean uber elite synthesizer so if you're making your beats there, you're getting something that nobody else has ever heard. Wow. I was going to ask about that, actually. The one on the the far left, like on the wall with the... Yeah. yeah. It's called a, a bukla. So all those, you know, you patch from one place to another and you create the sounds. That's crazy. Because I will pretend like I know what that means, but I know that there are beat makers in the chat right now, and I know that they understand what you're saying. So I'm just thinking... Yeah, I mean, that was, that was just... before... That's yeah, all this I think is about. A, a synthesizer that happened before they were attached to keyboards. You know, it was oh, just okay. The, just the circuits. You so know. you make the sound, but you don't press a key to do it. You actually have to make the sound. Yeah, it then connects to a keyboard after that. But all the brains of the, you know, now they're little digital chips. But, you know, that was. That's crazy. And hey, thank you for the condolences. And I was going to say sincerely. I mean, I remember when that. That was post when she posted your wife posted that, <laughs> and I was just like, "That's horrible." Because you know, just minding your own damn business, running your own damn studio, and you know, someone screws around, and you know, oh, it's just horrible. I'm sorry to hear that, and I, I mean, this is amazing. It's beautiful. Is this still up and going, or did it go? Did it go with him? Well, like, I I don't know what its future will be. I'm not sure anybody exactly knows. Um, but I, I'm going to guess that it's going to continue on. I would hope so. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous, to be completely honest. 
that texture on the ceiling, I can see the wood, and then the one that's the second, I'm going to call it the second ceiling, because you know what? I can. The ceiling, and then the yeah. second ceiling, it looks almost leathery. Like a yeah, vinyl texture. It's like a, it, it's a black, almost acoustical vinyl. It is like that. So yeah, good, good eye. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm just guessing. I mean, it's honestly, it's mind blowing because I mean, I don't have a studio. <laughs> this is my studio. There's my TV and my clock. I mean, there's my fan, whatever the heck it is. Like, you know, I, I didn't actually end up turning my, t my, my thing around with my back against the wall yet haven't done that just because it's been a crazy week but it is a drop ceiling grid um and those are acoustically rated tiles in there so you know there's specific function there yep they, they know what to call it i don't <laughs> okay so yeah i know i was just kind of reading in the chat yeah. that's a vocal booth the one that's like front to the left and then on the side is that like another one yeah that's a medium-sized booth um do left of the mix position so that's big enough that you could have like a five piece up to a five piece band in there and then you can't see it but behind us to the right in that picture is actually a full drum booth extension oh wow and this is in it's in um um his house also so the whole thing is a, a big metal building and so apart from this is this cool modern open living room and kitchen and then a couple bedrooms and when he would have a bigger session he would let the clients kind of have access to the kitchen and living room parts and that's why he was outside in front of his house there was a big session with kind of a big entourage and um yeah that's so sad i'm sorry to hear that that's that's a badass room though i'll, I'll be honest that's awesome it is yeah yeah it's beautiful absolutely beautiful like now that's what i want my room to look like Officially, like that's... Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine, kind of reflecting on this, and the things that are in that design and the way that it happened. Although, I mean, it's a challenge. You know, it's uphill. Nobody, you know, I've said to many studio builders, there's no crying in studio building. It's like, it's <laughs> different, different details, you know, and everything matters. But I'm not sure even today I could get a builder to build that. Everything in the building culture has changed so much that nobody wants to take on a different project. They would just want to do something that's simple and that it's hard to get people to do things. So this one's really out of the box. You know, these, those, are, those walls, the block that they're made out of, um, are normally usually used in like certain types of gymnasiums and things like that. Um, so to get a, a builder that would do this in a smaller, you know, scale than a big commercial building. You know, well, it happened pretty easily back then in, in hindsight, but today I don't think you can get anybody to do it. So I'm not sure I could ever design this space again. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. Ooh, I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I see cool shapes in weird places, and I love that. Yeah, so I love this that. is a... This is Atrium Audio. This is uh, has um, four control rooms, a super big live room. Everything's connected. Each control room has a booth. Um, and this is control room A. Um, this is um, in, like the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. 
um, and they wanted big glass. Well, big glass and sound reflections are tough. So again, that glass is angled. Um, lots of details going on there. Um, and the clients, they actually, well, they're pretty well known. They've done a bunch of Grammy um, level stuff. They do a lot of hard, hard hitting rock and metal stuff. Um, but on the side, they have like this metal band where they all dress in uh, Star Wars costumes. So I had a front wall design with, you know, that had several features. And they're like, hey, instead of your thing on the finish there, could we make um, this Star Wars grid panel thing? And I'm like, yeah, that'll work. That's cool as hell, though. That's super cool. What happens when they close the curtain on one side but not the other? Yeah, so that's um, when you're going to be in a serious mix mode in this room, you need to close the curtains um, for sonic accuracy inside the control room. Um, But the curtains, because the main live room has three different control rooms that look into it, but, you know, there's going to be only one control room that's actually having a session in there. So it's a way of getting privacy, of varying the acoustics, lots of different things. That's pretty cool. I just like up on the, towards the left-hand side, you know, you see through the glass and you see that there's just these panels that are like angled. They look like wedges stuck to the wall. And that's it, right. Yep. It looks super cool because there are ones up like this and the ones down like that. It's like Jenga. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, those are all custom designed by me and they did a great job building them. Holy, this is the same, this same studio. This is the same like building. Yes. So this is the live room. So yeah, that room that we were just in the studio window to the right side, Mm. that's that control room. Um, that's A that we were just talking about on the left-hand side of this picture. That's Studio C. Studio B is um, uh, in the part of the picture that we can't see. Is to the right of the, where the picture cuts off. But this is the large live room, and it's specifically I engineered and designed it for big, huge drum sounds. Oh, I like the on the ceiling. Which, I mean, I'm sure they all have a function. I just think it's cool as so. hell. And then uh, the fourth control room in this studio is um, my first certified Atmos Music Mix Suite, which is a whole new part. It's, it's the whole Wild West in studio design, Atmos Music, where independent artists, you know, right, right now all the legacy artists, all the record labels are, are they're, they're only one known revenue stream that can do is go back to the legacy artists that are still the biggest acts on streaming services and turn their legacy content that they have in their catalog into Atmos music. So all that's happening. But soon I think it's super important to know that independent artists should be thinking about Atmos music, a whole different way of being creative of, of their sound, like being more than just stereo. Darnell had a question. He says, how's the hardware being used in the studio impact the design? He doesn't, I don't think you specifically addressed the hardware, but I'm assuming he's meaning, I'm not yeah, sure. Uh, well, one of the really earliest parts of the design process called discovery, which is a big catch-all term, but it's finding out the type of technology. Um, are they all in the box, meaning just a computer? 
do they have a hybrid with hardware pieces how much rack gear um, that and um, the design decisions are made to create a system and you, you, know, you also want to have enough flexibility because like I said earlier you know any five-year chunk you want to take of what a studio is or the studio or music or anything it's changing you know right now tomorrow it's it's already changed so, what so you if, want to make sure that things are can can adapt in the future. I was about to say, what if they upgrade? What if they change what they're using? What if they would you have to kind of redesign the space a little bit or like adjust it? Um, well, if I do my job right with Discovery, there's enough flexibility for those things. So, um, where monitor sense and rack gear super important. Um, you need to be able to get good function those um, hopefully you can have your ears in the right place so if you go to your rack gear you can make adjustments and still be in the sweet spot uh, with sense you know it depends if you have like a, a MIDI controller right in front of you and that's the anchor of that you know that's going to be a centerpiece of the studio everything's kind of designed around um, visual monitors and studio monitors um, too many studios today put their visual monitor with their DAW right in the path of the studio speakers, the audio speakers. Um, and I get it, man. Everybody's eyes are tired in that. But that is actually a reason why there's a bunch of shit out there being put out. And people don't even really think about it. You know, they're not even letting the sound of their monitors reach their ears before they're blocking it with their editing screen. Well, you got to see the screen too. I get it, you know. Um, but so trying to find things within an arm's reach of yourself and cleaning up that, or, you know, is really a first step that a lot of studios could do. That's a good question. You said wood paneling would soften? Uh, well, wood paneling is generally going to be reflective. So I like, you know, wood tones, like right there, those wood walls, um, they are affecting the sound more than just the drywall that would have been there, but that's more for aesthetics than that. So the the visual vibe, you know, is is important to the creative process. There, I'll use wood as lots of different things for different ways, um, but no, the wood panels wouldn't soften. They maybe be more for you know like creating different types of sound reflections. And did you specifically design the exit sign? No. For aesthetic purposes. No. <laughs> no. But it was on the architectural plan because this one, you know, is fully through permits and all that. So. I just had to ask. It was a stupid question, but I had to ask. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna swing through the pictures once again. I'm just gonna go through them. You don't have to. Talk. I'm just gonna flip through them. Um, if you guys have anything else you can drop it definitely in the comments later obviously in the chat now but in the comments later if you see something that you want to you know ask or whatever feel free to do that yay logo let's go there's a genie in the bottle right there with the grammys lined up like that is super flex super super flex um but yeah the, he's designed all these and he's designed a ton more y'all like go on the website check them out I understand that these designs and the level of his design is something that is beyond anything that I personally would ever be able to um, manage. 
ever. Uh, maybe like when I become a billionaire. I'm just kidding. But I'm hopefully. I mean, hopefully a lot of it makes, I know a lot of it makes more sense to me now because like I said, I like, I don't know how to do it myself, but I understand the concept of the sound and how you need to, I'm going to use my words, muffle it, or you're going to need to kind of expand it a little bit, or you need to kind of dampen some of those echoes or, you know, all of that stuff. Because guess what? I had that function on my computer where you have, um, <laughs> Where you can like do in the hallway or in a, in a basement. And like it was like, it sounded really crazy. Yeah. 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 The different so river I, de uh, decay so, environments. Yeah. And I, I'm actually, I'm, kind of, I'm somewhat smart. I kind of get it. Hey, Freddy. I get it. I don't understand how to apply it though. That's my issue. Like, for example, I don't even know how to fix the noise gate or the um, gain on my microphone. Because I fixed it once and then I screwed it up and now I'm just like, <laughs> screw it. Because, you know, at this point I don't necessarily need it. I'm curious about which is considered more important. A good speaker versus a good room. Um, what's more important? I would pick an average speaker and try to... Um... <laughs> Uh, Vertigo makes some of the coolest uh, beats up and coming artists right there. Um, and a average speaker rather than a great speaker to start with and trying to put it at the best possible place in a room that's untreated would be the best equation. So if you don't have a treated room, you don't have budget for the best speakers, don't even think about buying the best speakers. Get good speakers, which today are probably going to be 700 to 2000 a pair um somewhere in that budget there's a lot of options and putting them in the right place in the room which is a whole different topic for another day but one of the one of the things that you can have a lot of control if you understand how powerful it is 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 the impact of where you put your speakers where you put your ears in in the space and that's free but a lot of people get locked into things and say oh well you know, this, uh, you know, wardrobe's got to be there or this bookcase has got to be there. And again, you know, it's like, well, if you actually moved your speakers over there, it'd be better just to start with. And that doesn't cost any money. So that's how I would answer that vertigo. Boom. <laughs> one more question. What would be the number one design you'd suggest for a home studio? Something like Yamaha. Oh, he's talking about something else. But no, what would be like? I, and I don't, I don't know if you can narrow it down. But yeah, everything I everything I do is custom. Right. And um, I mean, you are the go-to. I mean, obviously. I mean, my God, well, it's functional, gorgeous, and it's mind-blowing, really. If you really I'm telling y'all go to that website, check out these pictures. Like, get get like go like this and get into them because it's pretty freaking cool. I, I would, I'd like to say that if you look at my portfolio, the one thing you'll notice is no two studios look the same, but what, what's the same is the process behind it. So really, they do become my studios, and actually my clients think of them that way too, but, but it's there. It's the collaboration. It's, it's what they want out of it. Right. You know. Um, yeah, rephrase it, Darnell. 
because I didn't catch it, but that's cool. I mean, and I know you've got people in the chat, Jeff. I know you do. <laughs> I've hey. seen them throughout the whole thing. Um, and I, pre I just want to say thank you guys for coming through. Appreciate that. Um, the only other question that I had that I wanted to ask that I didn't ask. That's a good question, Darnell. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask his first because that's actually a really good question. Would an average homeowner be able to build a functional home studio? Like I guess he's asking realistically. I'm sure you. My opinion is I think you could at least get some of the elements to elevate what you're doing. I I think um, yes. So the first thing you got to do is think about how loud you're going to be and how much sound transmission control is the proper term you need. So if you're going to be cranking it and you're going to bother other people in the house at different hours of the day or bother your neighbors, then that's going to up the cost. Um, to get studio level sound isolation is, you know, it's like building a, a 1200 square foot ranch house inside a garage is really the equivalent of it. You know, the amount of material and, and layers and stuff like that. But if you're not going to be that loud, it's totally doable. Um, and there's a few good companies out there that not only have good products, but they offer design of their products that can get you in the game. I would be like the next level doing something more custom, hitting maybe a higher level of performance would be the goal. Um, and when I'm doing that, you know, it's super important what monitors you like or the type of monitors you like. And that's definitely part of the discussions and getting your whole mix set up optimized, um, finding out what you might do, how many people you might be in there, things like that. But it's, it's definitely doable. Um, you know, and, and one of the questions is like, well, do you plan on having quote clients over and running that you know because running a home studio is 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 its own different thing so trying to find things where there's maybe pathways for the customers to come in and out of um or different things to make it you know less of a battle between the studio and the home that was going to actually be my next question which was yeah. basically the difference between like a home studio this type of a studio or like a, I would assume this is one that people come in on a scheduled basis, but they have ones where they would have like multiple booths, multiple rooms. That's like you see on TV and in the movies, you know, where they have, they're in this studio four and they're in studio two and stuff like that. Like, yeah, a like larger atrium. Office. We were, we were just looking at a few minutes ago, you know, that's right. You know, that's always got pretty much all four control rooms are booked you know, full time every day. So this client's coming in and out and it's designed and wired for flexibility is that one thing can do it, you know, connect to a different thing or another thing, depending on what the session is. That is crazy. Cool. I'm just, I'm sitting here like, okay, well, can I get my mic to not pick up my fan in the background? And should I turn <laughs> my back to a wall so that I can hang stuff on it? Cause that would be cool. But I also kind of, or I was hoping it would help with the whole sound thing. Like, that's, like, my level, which is, like, my opinion, and my opinion doesn't matter, y'all. You know that, because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. My opinion is, is to get some decent equipment so you can push out some decent stuff. Once you're at that, 
then you go into, I would say, into more of a home studio, like a build out. Like getting your sound right with the equipment. Do what you got to do, right? You know, just rig it a little bit. But then I don't think like a home studio is quite efficient for someone if you don't have the equipment. I don't think. But it might be. Right. Um, so what's the smallest studio that I built? Um, I was reading no, here. Um, and... Um, well, one that comes to mind is, is one in a basement in Chicago. I've got a lot of projects in Chicago. Chicago's got a lot of basements. All the ceilings are low there. And this studio is called Electro Works. And the room is very modest. It's like about 14 by 14, about a seven and a half foot ceiling. The room dimensions were the best we could do, and they were bad. So it was all about room treatments from there and positioning. Um, and we did put a very small drum booth, but that studio's been rocking for like close to 15 years. Um, so that's, you know, I mean, I, I do, I do one room projects and things like that. You know, when you're talking about build, that kind of implies maybe you're starting from scratch, which part of what I do is stuff from the blueprint, from the ground there. A lot of what I do is, you know, renovating an existing space, um, I would say, you know, as a theme, my clients are pros or they're hobbyists that do pro-level work. You know, I don't usually have a lot of clients that are um, just um, starting out. You're going to fly over here and design my studio? Rude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where are you at, Darnell? No, but seriously, I think this has been, I honestly have to say, one of the most informative and interesting podcasts I've ever done. And that's the God's honest truth. Like, Well, you know what I like about it? Now Rain knows what I do. <laughs> Finally. Pay attention, Finally, woman. Yep. Finally. <laughs> and honestly, I just think that, I think that any Cincinnati, artist. Good stuff, Darnell. Any artist, Midwest. any beat maker, anybody that does anything, any podcaster, just to kind of see and hear about some of the elements that are put in and kind of what they're for and see a setup to even get an idea, even on a smaller scale of, hey, I might want to look into this. I might want to see that. This is what I could be. It's also a goal to, you know, attain at some point to get something like this, to be at that level. But also all of the knowledge that you've dropped. I mean, the wordplay, my God. Acoustic physics. I'm going to Google that later. I might actually give my community a quiz. Haha, <laughs> 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 Ben. Not funny. But no, I just want to take... I want to thank you for taking the time to sit here and talk to me. And It's, it's great, Kat. Thank you. I mean, honestly, and to put it in layman's terms, to talk to me in a way that you're not going so technical that you lost me like back there and around the corner. But yet to make it so easy to understand that means the world to be able to understand this kind of stuff because it matters. I love it. I think it's amazing. I love to know all the details about how things work and what they do and why they do things. Even if I don't apply it, I'd love to just know. He's going to get some acoustics drop ceiling panels this weekend. There you go. 
but no, <laughs> thank you for taking the time. I know you were a super busy guy. No, this is great. I appreciate it. And, uh, maybe down the road, we'll do another one. Like I said, I, I had the thought of bringing on, uh, John from city dump and have him like, we're, we're doing the new control room a for him and have them maybe talk about what it's like to run and own a studio, which is a whole, that whole different topic, you know, how you run the business, how he books his clients, how he makes sure that the money, you know, there's not, yeah, everybody wants a studio for free. Like, you know, you're looking at Oracle there, Jason spent real money, you know, and it takes a lot of years to pay all that stuff off. And yet people want stuff for free. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're an up and coming artist to get the experience to go into a really good studio, um, just because it's a really good studio doesn't mean that the music comes out of it is going to be good. That's, that's a quick lesson. But to get in there and if you have the right engineer, the right team, and they, and they get you comfortable, the thing that's going to come across the most is that you're confident in what you're doing. And, but if the acoustics and the vibe and the, and the technology, um, the signal chain, um, the microphone qualities, the recording signal chain, if that's all top, like that's an amazing experience that then you can take home to your setting and apply a lot of things, you know? Right. So, you know, if somebody's, don't be afraid to like reach out and connect to a pro studio and experience that. That could be one of the things to like push, you know, your creativity and your level, you know, quicker than almost anything else. I was about to say, I would love to walk through one of these studios. I would love to, you know, find one here in Houston that I could walk through and just be like, you know what, this is super cool just to get ideas and thoughts and just to kind of be, this is a, I don't do music. I don't record stuff. I don't do beats. I'm, I'm not that person. So I'm never going to sit there and record myself. But to be on this side and watching things happen, I'm not saying watching someone at the time, but just to be in that space, I just think would be mind-blowing. It'd be super cool because it means so much to what – we all love music. We all love to hear bands. We all love to hear, you know, rappers, beat make the beats behind the music. Like, we love it all, right? And to yep. see where kind of the magic is done in a real studio, like a real, real-world studio, I think would be amazing. I would love to do that. Timothy's, I love acoustical talk. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Got the right person. You tuned in at the right time. Um, what's up, Wolf? But no, I just... Anyway, though, um, maybe wrap this up? No, absolutely. That's what I was saying. I appreciate you being here and taking the time to come talk to me. I would definitely be down for, you know, anything. You know, if you had... I would love to talk about studio and the studio ownership. I think that's a really cool aspect that people just don't understand or know about. And I'm all here for that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. All right, you guys, everybody appreciate you. Check out the website. It is right there on the screen. It is down in the description. If you don't want to type it in, you just want to click it and do that. Please, please, please drop a comment. Hit the like button. Definitely check his stuff out. Appreciate you all. Have a good night. Sayonara. A tutelar. At the ma. Ciao. We're out of here.